Hi, this is Paul Pactor, CEO of Long Island Cares and the Harry Chapin Regional Food Bank with another episode of Feed the Need, our weekly podcast discussing issues of importance to those of us in the emergency food network system, but also bringing in guests who have a unique perspective on some of the work that we're doing. And today, it is really my pleasure to welcome someone who I met recently because of his work here at Long Island Cares through Suffolk County Community College. And that's Carlos Jennings, who is a radio and TV production student at Suffolk Community College. Carlos, welcome to Feed the Need. Oh, thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. Well, the audience is happy. Oh, they that love you. Well. I love they you, too. <laughs> Oh, I love you guys love and you. girls. <laughs> Carlos, it's it's really good uh, to have you here. And first, tell me a little bit about uh, Suffolk Community College and the radio and TV production uh, major that you're involved in. It's fascinating. It actually gives us real-world experience with working with the equipment, electronic field production, remote vans. It gives us script writing, um, just a lot of key points that is instrumental in um, our development in the industry. So it really is a, a full experience on what it would be like uh, if you worked for any commercial or cable uh, television network in terms of what you're learning and the skills that you're able to apply. Absolutely. I'm very impressed at the professor's Gail Sheridan, mm -hmm. Carl, Bill, you know, they have extensive work throughout Suffolk County and throughout the whole world and industry. They have um, great connections and relationships that empower us to believe in ourselves and fulfill our dreams. That's a great way to put it. You know, in, in that industry, radio and television production, uh, a lot of it is based on what you know, the skill level that you have. But in the real world, especially in the entertainment industry, it's also about contacts and who you know and, and who can help you get, you know, a leg up in terms of when you graduate uh, and start looking for a full-time position uh, in that industry. What actually drew you to radio and television production? What actually drew me into radio and television production was really um, what my story of my life. And I wanted to try to tell my story through my perspective of just like Spike Lee, you know, um, Quentin Tarantino, mm -hmm. you got um, Martin Scorsese, you got different directors, different uh, views and different perspectives. I just wanted to include mine as well. Mm -hmm. How would, you know, you, you mentioned people who were at the top of their craft. I mean, you know, Spike Lee, Martin Scorsese. What is Carlos Jennings' uh, feeling? What are your goals? What's your vision? Should you become part of that industry i just if i could change one life mm -hmm. then i felt like i did more than i did my job that i could help one person and maybe that one person could help more more or many because um i'm, I'm puerto rican and black i grew mm -hmm. up in the inner city in jamaica queens and i got to see that moving to suffolk county that a nice neighborhood shouldn't be a privilege mm -hmm. so i wanted to show that there's two different worlds a kid in suffolk county growing up does not it's not the same person as a kid growing up in um, South Jamaica, Queens. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to show we're all we're the same, but we just have different life experiences. And I just wanted to show my life experience. And 
those life experiences <laughs> between children in Jamaica, Queens, or, you know, Suffolk County, Long Island, or Garden City, Long Island, as you say, are really different. When I was uh, finishing up my master's degree in social work from Adelphi University, one of the assignments, a final assignment we had was to uh, do a little research into two local communities and then compare you know, what the communities, you know, stand for, what they're about, what the environment is like. And we chose Hempstead and Garden City. Mm. And we went as far in researching the issues in those two communities, uh, from interviewing people, from looking at the businesses, documenting, you know, what local businesses were there. Is there a, uh, you know, sort of a designer boutique grocery store versus a corner bodega? And one of the things I remember doing with two of my classmates at the time was honestly rifling through garbage pails mm. in Garden City and Hempstead to see what kind of food people were eating. What were people throwing out? You know, one person's garbage, as you know, could be another person's treasure. Mm -hmm. So you, you never know about that. But certainly through radio and television, it's a wonderful way to spread a message. And your generation of uh, millennials or Generation Z uh, you know, have access to technology like my generation in the 60s and 70s never had. Uh, what would you, you know, in, in looking at the landscape right now on Long Island or even in the country, what would be some of the things that you would like to take a deep dive in and, you know, be able to portray to the general population uh, at need as to what you, as either a director or a broadcaster or an on-air personality, would think is important? Um, I would start with maybe with um, prescription medication mm -hmm. because there was a, it's, it's out of control for some. And I've known, I know friends who have, who have been, who lost their lives from it. So like um, drugs, fentanyl is like mm -hmm. something that you hear a lot often. And um, more than like, Education is always the most important, but, you know, a lot of things that come after education, poor education, it leads to, like, um, just the handicap in your development. Mm -hmm. Because the educational system, based upon where you live, could be very different. Yes, I grew up where my they, they, they might push you through. They call it the pipeline to prison. There's an author named Michelle Alexander, mm -hmm. and she wrote something like the 13th Amendment or something, and... Um, pipeline of prison that just shows you how public school could just push you out without the proper education mm -hmm. and then you just come out come out an adult you know with a disadvantage mm -hmm. and totally uh, unprepared for some of the challenges that life brings us but as you said and, and you use the right word you know public school system at times can push people out just to keep up with their graduation rates and then yet the student who's pushed out uh, is not being punished, didn't do worse than anyone else. It's just, let's get them out of the school, let's keep our stats high. And then it there's no thought as to what this individual student's going to do in the next five years, the next 10 years. So exposing, you know, a concern like that, I think has great value. Uh, and being able to, uh, you know, do that on a either a small or a wide scale, whether it be on commercial TV or on streaming services are important. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm sort of uh, really getting into streaming on television. I never really watched a lot of commercial TV, but you know the 
the selection on streaming services is so diverse and so expansive. Uh, there's something for everyone. What what attracts you in terms of the kind of programs you watch? I think it's interesting for me because doing television production, you already have passion for that. So what kind of stuff do you watch? Um, I like TED Talks, actually. Mm -hmm. I, I listen to this uh, man named Dick Gregory. Familiar? Oh, my God, sure. And, and Paul Mooney. Like, mm -hmm. I listen to them um, when they, with their knowledge that they have to say, like, uh, when you're... When the ancestor is alive and they pass away, they say a library burns to the ground. Mm -hmm. So I look for my elders for the knowledge that I don't have in this society and this generation. I look for the, my, the culture, the essence, and I just go Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, mm -hmm. Shirley Chisholm. I just like to, now that I have technology, we can research those voices. Sure. I like to hear what those voices have to say because I was never given to them in school. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that uh, Dick Gregory is on the curriculum for any university. There may be some. And I, I'm sure that uh, at certain universities or colleges, if people are majoring in film, uh, I don't know how you could have a course without discussing Spike Lee's work or Martin Scorsese's work or Steven Spielberg's work uh, or Tyler Perry's work. I mean, these are people that have made, you know, tremendous contribution uh, not just to entertainment, but to, to the world of knowledge. And I think that's a great saying, you know, if someone passes away, uh, you know, a whole li a library is gone because there is so much knowledge that each of us carry. And, you know, one of the things that impresses me about you in the short time I know you uh, is you're a very serious guy. You know, you're, I, I think you're really in-depth about some of the things you speak about and some of the things you're studying. You and I met couple of months back uh, when Suffolk County Community College was here uh, doing a project, videotaping Long Island Cares, and I interviewed with your professor. Uh, and, you know, what I was impressed about was that each of you individually and then collectively working at a team really have such a strong commitment to what you're doing. This is, it's become from what I've seen more than a course. It's almost like a business. Each of you sharing your own knowledge working together, bouncing ideas off uh, one another. Did you expect to see that coming out of the course at Suffolk Community College? Actually, I didn't. I'm a person who's, my family, I'm the only one that went to college. Mm -hmm. My mother, my father, my two sisters, they work for the VA Medical Center, like mm -hmm. they uh, federal government. I'm the only one with a who's in college, about to get a college education, about mm -hmm. to graduate, so... Um, is more pride being, you know, good pride. You know what I mean? They got mm -hmm. bad pride, you got good pride. I'm more proud for this accomplishment for, for my family and for so, so for, my, for myself. So I just want to make sure that I do the right thing and do the next right thing and do the next right thing after that. And you absolutely should be proud of that. I mean, I, I can only imagine how proud the entire Jennings family is of what you've been able to accomplish being the first one. Uh, graduating from a, an accredited program. And, you know, again, that's also the beauty of community college. I know some people, you know, not community college. It's only two years. Well, maybe you'll go there. It's a way to find yourself. But when I met your class, and I've met you guys now twice, uh, it makes a big case for, you know, you should consider going to community college. It's a little more affordable than a four-year university, but on the other hand, you're getting all this individualized attention because I've seen the way the class 
communicates with your professors. And, you know, I think people should have a more open mind about, you know, going for higher education. There's nothing to be ashamed of going to a two-year college versus a four-year college uh, where you could experiment for two years on what you might want to do in the next, you know, two or four years to come. So you guys came over to Long Island Cares, to the Center for Community Engagement, to film the interview. What did you do, either you or your classmates, in terms of preparing for the interview that you did with me? Storyboard, mm -hmm. you know, um, prepping our equipment, um, a script, and just uh, a plan, mm -hmm. you know, a plan, an idea. And um, from there, we just, we get to the set and we just, you know, work from there, feel the, feel the energy. We go off what's, what's going on around mm -hmm. us and make people comfortable, you know, be yourself and just do the best you can. Sure. Did you have any preconceived ideas as to what you would learn or find visiting the food bank or even getting involved in a discussion about food insecurity and hunger? Um, I, I'm originally from Lower Louisiana, Alexandria, mm -hmm. Baton Rouge and stuff like that. So I know what poverty is. I know what hunger is. I know what getting services are, mm -hmm. you know, so like um, I'm just, I see the, um, the dedication here that um, I'm proud of that, that, that Long Island Cares is able to service those in need and is not just um, a government write-off of a company. It's mm -hmm. that your heart and your soul is really with Long Island Cares. And I'm very, um, I took that away when I, from being here. Well, thank you for that. I really, my whole staff appreciates oh, that. Oh, wow. <laughs> did, did you, did you know that there was an issue with hunger and food insecurity on Long Island before you came visiting us? Um, actually, no, I did not because like I lived in like nice neighborhoods in Long Island, mm -hmm. but you see neighborhoods like a wine dance of Bellport, not to stereotype anything or quorum or certain areas and uh, anywhere that poverty is real. You go to these Long Island Railroad train stations, you go to like DSSs and you like mm -hmm. you actually see that the services are are much needed than you would ever think because you would think Long Island, the Hamptons, the beach. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Sure. The Hamptons, the beach, and um, nice homes. Absolutely. You don't think about, you know, what would affect um, what you don't see, mm -hmm. what's swept under the rug, what they don't show you. So you, I get to see that through Long Island Cares, the, the real Long Island. And, and that's really a very important part of what we do. You coined the phrase right now, the real Long Island, what does it look like? You know, 40 years ago when our organization was founded, there clearly were pockets of poverty on Long Island. Uh, there were the Hempsteads and there were the Roosevelt's mm -hmm. and the Bayports. And in the past four decades, things have dramatically changed. And I continue to tell people when I speak publicly that the landscape now on Long Island is that there are pockets of affluence. Yes, there are the Hamptons, and there's the Gold Coast on the North Shore, and there's, you know, Muttontown and Brookville and, uh, you know, all of those type of communities. But that's not where the average Long Islander lives. The average Long Islander, whether it be inflation or the economy or COVID, uh, is struggling. And, you know, during COVID, we served an additional 232,000 people. So we know that 
about 10% of the population on Long Island is one paycheck away from having to go to a food pantry. We saw that during Superstorm Sandy. We saw it during the government shutdown. We saw it during COVID for sure. Uh, what would you say to people of your generation, people in their 20s, early 30s maybe, uh, about doing something in terms of fighting hunger? Because if you did research about our organization, you know that we were founded by a musician who was 37 years old at the time he founded Long Island Cares, that being Harry Chapin. And he always had a message for his audience about, you know, ending hunger and what do you have to do uh, in terms of looking at the root causes of hunger and looking at poverty and looking at crime and looking at aging and immigration status and everything else that can bring someone to a food pantry to help feed their families. But what do you think your generation should be doing right now when it comes to food insecurity? Well, first, I want to thank Harry Chapman for his commitment because I'm pretty sure when he was alive, rest in peace to him, there was a, there was a politician, there was a senator, there was a councilman, there was mm -hmm. other people who knew this was a problem, but for them to get the votes or for them to, to climb up the ladder, mm -hmm. they had to fulfill the needs of those who put them in that place and they forgot the needs of those around them. So for my generation, I would say um, you don't know it all. Mm -hmm. And um, listen to your elders because they have the right information for you. Right now, like with TikTok and all this content creating, it's getting away from um, actual be having service of others, mm -hmm. committing your service to, to humanity, to society, giving back. So... You know, just never forget that just because you you might be okay that somebody else is not and never just, it doesn't work that way. We all supposed to be all right. We're supposed to help each other one way mm -hmm. or another in any way you can. I think, you know, oftentimes elected officials, uh, regardless of what party, you know, they're mm -hmm. part of, uh, when they get into office, they become a different person. You know, they, they run on a platform, you know, currently now we're hearing a lot about health care. We're having, hearing a lot about women's rights to choose. Uh, and then, you know, when they get into office, it's a whole different thing because they're not alone anymore. They're not, you know, championing uh, the message for themselves to get elected. They're now working with a couple of hundred other people who may share different ideas and different beliefs when it comes to uh, the issues of importance. Uh how how do you think young people uh, should be getting involved in terms of advocacy and speaking up about people who are struggling to put food on their tables? We know that there are many young people here on Long Island uh, that are struggling with food insecurity as well. What, what would you say to your generation in terms of looking at the issue of hunger and making it an important cause uh, because I'll tell you, a couple of years ago, about three years ago, three and a half years ago, we did a study on millennials living on Long Island to find out what their priorities are in terms of charitable contributions. And the issue of hunger didn't even come into the top five. We were looking at education. We were looking at uh, employment. Uh, we were looking at the environment. Animal welfare came close in terms of us operating a pet pantry. But what would you say to your generation about getting involved in the hunger movement? I don't think that they've experienced the issue. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you might have a mom, you might have a dad, you might have grandparents, aunt, uncle. And um, I don't really think they got the, they, they don't, I don't think that they saw hands on mm-hmm. the necessity of what it, ta- what it feels like to be really hungry, what it feels like to have nothing, what it feels like to, you know, drink water or mm-hmm. eat bread. You know what I mean? Like, you know, or like you said, a bodega meal, a juice, a sandwich, and a snack. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So I think that the thought does not enter their mind because they have not seen it or it does not even affect them because their life has been uh, a little bit not as uh, in those conditions yeah. of hunger, of, of, of starvation. And then we spend a lot of time, you know, trying to educate through the colleges and the universities about the issue. And then we become very, very lucky because, oh, Carlos, that's not about you. That's basically the sign that we are running out of time. Uh, I would like to carry on this conversation at some time in the future, invite you back for a, for a discussion. This has been really an eye-opener for me. Uh, to hear you speak and to learn about your lived experiences. It's really been a pleasure uh, to have you on the program. Uh, For those of you listening to Feed the Need, you know that you can listen to us on all the various podcast platforms that are out there, Spotify, Amazon, Anchor Podcast. We upload a new episode every Tuesday uh, for your listening pleasure. If you have any comments or concerns, give us a call at 631-582-FOOD. Until next time, this is Paul Pactor, CEO of Long Island Cares. Together, we'll feed the need and solve hunger on Long Island. Take care. <laughs>